Hey everybody, it's Nick. I'm just waiting for Ryan to join. Then we're going to start episode 73 of the It's Too Wordy comic book podcast. Tonight we're doing a couple new books. Um, Ryan has just now entered the studio. So hey Ryan, how's it going? Hey, fantastic. You? Doing good. Um, Finally got to read some comics this week, so feeling all right. I know, it's a good feeling, isn't it? Yeah, I came out of uh, thinking about work for a little while, which was nice. It always helps. Yeah. Always. So, cool. Good deal. All right. So I'll go ahead and uh, give the blurb here, and then we'll get it rolling. All right. Welcome, everybody, to the It's Too Wordy Comic Book Podcast, where a couple of buddies talk about comics from their childhood and today. I'm Ryan. And I'm Nick. And today we are dealing with Lock and Key in Pale Battalions Go and the letter U. So uh, <laughs> I'm going to go with, you probably got Uncle Scrooge. Am I right, Nick? No, I don't. <laughs> I I should have, but I the, the life and times of Scrooge McDuck is a little bit long to do a whole review on. We'd have to do a whole show. Maybe down the road we'd have to do one of those. I think we should. I mean, it's a great story. I, I've heard great things about it. I don't think I've ever read any of it. Uh, you might have seen it on one of the DuckTales episodes. That's possible. Where they do Scrooge's past where he's like, learn to work smarter, not harder. And he's like learning all the stuff from come from Scotland. And, oh, you know, yeah. Yeah, I yeah, remember they, that one. They turned yeah. it into like five episodes. Huh. Guess I didn't realize that was based off of that book. Um, no. So I have the Ultimates number two, issue nice. one, for my U. And remember G.I. Joe, the Snake Eyes silent issue? What is that, number 15? Issue 21. 21. Okay. So this is the sketchbook for Ultimates 2, number one, by Miller, Miller and Hitch. Mm -hmm. and this came out in 2005. Man, I can't believe it's 2005 already, but it's, there's no inks. There's no inks and no colors, so it's just all their pencils, oh, which beautiful. there's no word balloons. There's nothing. It's just straight up pencils, and you can see just like their perspective drawings and how they did it. And, you know, it's gorgeous and it's super cheap. You can get this for like two bucks online. And if you want to read the story, they have the script in the back, which if you ever not read a comic book script, it's actually really interesting to oh, yeah. see how um, Mark Miller his brain works a little bit like, okay, so we're going, we're going to open this with Captain America doing a Superman pose coming out of an airplane. He's got no, no parachute on. He's got giant boots and a helmet and he looks like he's ready for war. Right. Pretty much. And then Brian Hitch has to interpret that into a drawing. So it's actually really cool when you, when you figure out the process of how they do this. Mm -hmm. I mean, back in the day, it was just Jack Kirby drawing stuff and giving it to Stan, and Stan would write stories based on what he got, right? Yeah. And this seems like it's a guys. So much work goes into a comic that you just don't think about. Oh yeah, I love reading this when there's scripts or even a tidbit of what the thought process is into a book. Um, I pick up a lot of the director's cut books when they do those just because it gives you some additional insight and kind of, it's kind of neat to see. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That, and that was a fun run too. Got a yeah. little weird. Was that the one where, um, Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch kind of had a thing for each other? Yeah. And this is where <laughs> Cap and the, the Wasp are dating. And... Yeah. Yeah. 
I wasn't a real big fan of the Ultimates, to be honest. I, it was probably just at this time where it, like everything had to be super gritty and over the top violent. And mm -hmm. I was like, just give me my regular Avengers. I don't need this. I don't need the Hulk being a rapist. I don't need, you know. Millar was the only one that really went kind of off the deep end on that stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, the Ultimate Universe basically gave us Miles Morales. It gave us the zombies for uh, Marvel Zombies or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's about all that stuck around. Everything else. Isn't there the Ultimate Reed Richards that's hanging out? Still yeah, in our universe? One, yeah, I guess they're, yeah. He's the one that created the zombies. Yep. Yeah. He, he was also in Ultimate, like uh, Venom or... Sorry, Ult Maximum Carnage, not Maximum Carnage, but whatever that was that just came out like last year. Yeah, the Absolute Carnage. Absolute Carnage. Sorry. It was oh, you're right. something ultimate, absolute something. There's a spider villain in it somewhere. Yep. Um, yeah, but I mean, the, I always kind of enjoyed the, I thought it was a fun way to retell the superhero origins. Uh, at least with Ultimate Fantastic Four, the Ultimate Spider-Man, even the Ultimate X-Men. But <clears throat> the Avengers was kind of its own thing. I did enjoy it, the first one at least. The second one kind of went off the deep end. I didn't even touch the third one. Yeah. Um, I did get a lot of those Ultimate uh, like miniseries. Ultimate Extinction and Ultimate Daredevil and things like that. But, uh, yeah, wasn't a huge fan of them. I just kind of – I did enjoy reading kind of a retake because at that time, even suggesting they restart a series again was sacrilege, you know. Yeah. It was going to be Spider-Man started way back when, and that's where we're at current. It's not going to ever change – now, obviously, it did. Well, oh, that the thing with like the Ultimate Universe was they would take, you know, it it took forty years to get Venom into Spider Man, mm -hmm. you know, but in Ultimate it took them six months. Yeah, it was like okay, god damn, you went through all the goblins already, and now you're on to Venom. Mm -hmm. Like, jeez, okay, enough, enough. <laughs> yeah I did like the take on some of the characters uh, on their looks I think um, Spider-Woman I, I love that Spider-Woman costume um, I thought uh, Kitty Pride mm -hmm. looked more like I imagine what Kitty Pride would look like opposed to what she was in the regular Marvel universe, you know? So I thought there's some great looks for some of the things that they reimagined, but uh, yeah. I had not seen a, uh, a copy of that the sketch cover or sketchbook you're talking about. I don't think I've ever seen it. So that's really cool. Yeah. I, I love these, like when you can just see the pencils and stuff, I don't, mm -hmm. you don't get to see that very often. No. No, it used to be kind of a big deal, and now that, you know, it's just got to have a different cover on it. It's a variant. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so what do you got for you? All right, I got Union from Image. Nice. And yesterday, you we were at a show, and you found a comment. I can't remember which one it was, but you're like, you like this old image? I'm like, yeah, not, no, I'm good. <laughs> well, I had just gotten done reading Union, and I realized, no, not all of the original image stuff was good. Um, <laughs> all I remember was it had huge boobs on the cover. That's all I remember. <laughs> the only name I have in my head is Wildstar, and I know that's not it. Yeah, I know. Oh. Um, yeah, this is just a superpower like a superman with the 
Daredevil Billy Club is what it is. Um, I had not read the four. This is the start of the regular run. It wasn't the four part miniseries, but um, I had not read any of this before. I didn't even know I owned this issue. So when I was grabbing those uh, Ugliest Kid on Earth books for you, the Todd Ugliest Kid on Earth, I saw I had this. I'm like, oh, I'll just do this one and see what it's all about. Um, yeah, he is a super-powered uh, hero, I guess, who flies and reminds me a little bit of a Superman-type character. Uh he works. He ends up working for with uh, was it Wildcats. I think it was. He ends up getting hooked up with no Stormwatch, and he's kind of like a reserve until they check him, look into him, and everything, and see if he's all good. Um, a couple of other beings show up. He starts fighting with them and. But he knows one of them, but the other one, or he, it's like his best friend that shows up, but his best friend doesn't know him. It, it kind of went a little bit goofy. I think there's a lot that I missed from not reading the initial four issue. Um, and Image did that a lot. They did it with Savage Dragon. They did it with uh, a couple other books. And if you didn't read that first four issue story, you're kind of lost going into the next book. Um I think, like I said, I don't even remember where I got this. I wouldn't pay any more than a quarter for it if I was going to pay for it at all. Um, the art looked really nice. It's, uh, who is this, Benjamin? Uh, I'm trying to find a name here. Uh, Ryan Benjamin did the pencils on it, and it looks beautiful. I mean, I think he did a great job with that. Just not much on the story at all, and it's not a character that I could just get really excited about and want to read solid pass. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're kind of limited when your letters, you, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, and then we have the lock and key in battalions go. Um, we've talked about lock and key in the past. We've talked about the TV series. I, I think it's safe to say that you and I are both huge fans of Lock and Key. Um, it's done by Joe Hill, who's Stephen King's kid. He's in on a, He's got his own name now, so I shouldn't even have to reference that. Uh, he writes, you know, he writes his own books and things as well. And then Gabriel Rodriguez, who did the art for all the Lock and Key books as well, uh, is back to do this one. And the original Lock and Key series was all based on the three kids um, discovering all these keys in Key House. This starts off a little bit differently. Um, it is, I don't know what the time frame, but probably World War One-ish, maybe World War II. I don't think uh, it says. World War I. I think World it was like 1918. Yeah, okay. Yep. And it's a kid's in there at a recruitment office in Britain trying to sign up to do uh, join the war. And he's like, I'm 19 years old. And the recruiter's like, uh, why don't you go get me a sandwich while you're figuring out how old you are? Um, and all of a sudden, as he's reaching for the door, his dad comes through and grabs him from his workshop and pulls him in back to the house and they were using the key that allows you to jump from place to place. And, um, his dad's getting on to the kid about, um, you know, you can't use these keys for bad things. And he's like, we have these keys. We could help win the war easily. And so this is where the kind of giving a backstory of where some of these keys um, how long these keys have been around. And this story is just, I, it started off a little slow. I'm like, I don't know if I like this. And by the time I got to the end of it, I was like, wow, I see where they're going with this now. And I think this is fantastic. 
Uh, he uses one of the keys to manipulate his mom to get to the rest of the keys. Um, his sister, it sees him using one of the keys to, and his sister doesn't, I don't think is aware that these keys exist, but he uses one of the keys to kind of warp into another space. Um, and it just leaves you with a cliffhanger of him going through a door with all these keys and he's showing up where the war's at. He's like, what can I do now? Mm-hmm. And again, I, you know, I'm used to the lock and key kit or the key kids um, or the locks. lock kit. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at the title. It's throwing me off. I'm used to the lock kids. And I'm like, Oh, this doesn't feel like it fits into the story at all. And this is really neat. I think if they're going to keep on building on this universe, yeah, this is the way to do it. Build on the past, show where, where these keys have been previously and how they're being used and um, that kind of a thing. I can't recommend it enough. Um, I would still say read the regular series first before going over into uh, this one, just because you have, otherwise you have no idea what's really going on. Uh, as far as like, oh, there's all these keys. What do they do? Unless you watch the Netflix series or something like that, then you might feel okay with it. But if, if you're going into lock and key completely fresh, never knowing anything about it outside of listening to us talk about it, absolutely probably start with the other series first and then come back to this and check it out. Uh, absolutely worth the read. The art is gorgeous. Joe Hill is doing a fantastic job with it once again. Um, great story, great story. Cool. All right. Um, well, this is where we usually talk about the shop, and I'm trying to think of anything's been going on. Oh, yes. We actually, uh, I saw that uh, they just got in a first appearance of Punisher and a couple other graded books as well that just came into the shop here recently. Um three graded books and Punisher. And I can't remember what the other two were, but uh, nice, beautiful looking books. Um, so they're constantly getting more stuff in, like I've been saying. Um, so absolutely take a look at their Facebook page and take a look at that. We're stopping and see what go- the going ons are going happening at the shop over at Krypton comics. All right. So now we are at, our random reads section, Nick, what do you got for random reads? All right. So I have two. Um, we're going to start off with this book from Marvel from 1992 called the awesome slapstick. And (laughs) he, he's, yeah, he's one of those characters that is a massive cartoon, right? So he can, make his body into everything. He's kind of like Mr. Mixipitalik, um, Batmite. Um, there's a lot of characters in Marvel like this too. Mm-hmm. But this one, it's actually really funny. So it starts off and this, this he's a teenager and he's in high school and his name. Oh, what is his name? Um, let's see. I, I actually had this all written down or I had this all pulled up before, but his name is Steve Harmon and he's in high school and he's kind of always been troublemaker. Right. Um, mm-hmm. but what's funny is this book starts off with once upon a time in the depths of space, there existed a shining planet known as Krypton, a world where the inhabitants have regained or gained themselves to the pinnacle of human mental and physical perfection. And then it blew up. Well, so much for them. Now let's move on to our story. So <laughs> that just sets the scene for how this book is going to go. So Steve is the typical teenager. He gets in trouble. He he doesn't want to eat his wheat cakes because his mom is always making him Aunt May's wheat cakes for some reason. There's a box of Aunt May's in there. Mm. Uh, <laughs> So he gets in trouble. Some kid rats him out and 
he's walking home. He's like, I'm going to get that goddamn kid. You know, I'm going to get him. I'm going to get him good. And he runs into an evil clown on the street, like a total evil clown with long teeth and just like weird hair. And he's like, here, kid, try go, go to this circus. It'll be fun. You know, it'll be swell. Trust me. And it's called Nightshade and Dark's Pandemonium Carnival. And he's like, that's going to be perfect. I have a total disguise. I'll wear it and I'll get back at this kid. Right. So he goes home and he makes this costume that is ridiculous. It's got, he's a total clown. He's got white face. He's got crazy hair. He's got three fingered gloves. And he goes to the carnival and spots his nemesis walking with his girlfriend and he hides and what's funny so this carnival has a poster in it for one show only the falling graysons oh my god so so he he's waiting by this sign for his nemesis to come around and before he can do anything he sees a whole bunch of clowns knock them out and drag them into a tent and he's like, something's going on. And he grabs this giant, like, cartoon-sized mallet. And he starts to run in there after them. And they're going through this giant clown portal into another dimension. And he hops in there, too. And he comes out in this weird cartoon universe. And while he's traveling through this, I mean, Doctor Strange feels it, Spider-Man feels it, Silver Surfer feels it through the, the thing. And, you know, of course, the Watcher and Reed Richards can all detect that some weird portal has opened. And then they move to the next panel, and it's Howard the Duck. And he's like, oh, not again. And he just throws up in the trash. <laughs> And then we move on to back to slapstick going through different dimensions. He like travels through like 5,000 different dimensions in like no time and finally comes out into a place called dimension X where there's a doctor and his two assistants are there. And his doctor looks exactly like a clown Groucho Marx with his assistants, the clown Chico and the clown Harpo. And he, he theorizes that Steve must have been out of phase when he transferred over, which caused his molecules to become unstable. So he is now a walking, talking puddle of unstable molecules. So he can <laughs> do anything. He can change his shape. He can withstand he's pretty much invincible right uh the doctor gives him some weird gauntlets that one of them allows him to change his shape and hold his shape so he's not a puddle he can actually become human again and he can also change from the cartoon version of himself to a real person but every time he changes to a real person um only living matter can do that so he's always naked when he changes back into his human form <laughs> in his second gauntlet uh, anything he ch he's holding he can put into a pocket dimension and then bring out so let's say he's holding a pen and he can he can put it away and then if he wants it back he can bring it back and then if he wants to switch it up you know grab his giant hammer and he can put that away but he can only do one thing at a time which is actually a kind of a cool thing because you know they, they don't really talk about like pocket dimensions a lot unless you're right. like, talking about nightcrawler like popping through things um yeah this book is crazy he he locates his friends he he saves them he gets them over into our world and destroys their dimension and crazy thing about this character is like He's been he's been in so much stuff that I didn't even realize. Like he's been in Civil War. He was in the Initiative when he was in the training program for the next Avengers. Uh, 
He was in Fear Itself, and he was in Mercs for Money with Deadpool, which I really fits. In that. Yeah, and he was also in Mutant X, where he was in there, and he was also in a video game. He was in Ultimate Marvel versus Capcom Three. He was in Deadpool's ending. So, dude has been in a lot of stuff. Jeez. So, yeah, I mean, if you like goofy crap, I mean, this one's right up your alley. How many issues did that series run? Or was it just uh, one off? There was four issues for this miniseries. And then I think there was a second one, I believe. Um, no, I, I think it was just the four issues. Recently. Yeah. I, he was part of the New Warriors, too. Really? Yeah. Huh. So yeah, he's his one of his friends is Speedball. So <laughs> that really fits. If those two, are, I I would actually want to read something with him and Speedball going at it. All right. So my second one. So this one I got at that sale, the fifty bu- or fifty bucks for twenty bucks or fifty books for twenty bucks. Yeah, fifty for twenty. <laughs> and. I thought it was going to be the most ridiculous book that I've read all year, but I actually really like it. Um, it's a one shot from AC and it's Femme Force Night of the Demon. <laughs> it looks like a total cheese fest, right? Um, there's a picture on Discord of it. Um, it's on the cover, it says Terror Stocks Night Vale Sin Stardust Terra and She Cat on Al Hallow's Eve. And you open it and you're like, okay, this is just going to be typical 1990, you know, kind of cheese. And it is, it's a cheese factory, right? Um, <laughs> but they're like, they start off like, oh man, you know, Halloween has to be my like favorite holiday, you know, all the costumes and the kids and, you know, having fun. And then one of their friends he uh, he has this nightmare of a woman being tortured by a cult and murdered, and he uh, he changes shape into if I can remember what it's called uh, Shade. His name is Shade. He's just all black. He's got a skull on his forehead, and mm. he materializes in their new headquarters because Femforce always has new headquarters for some reason. They're always moving around. And he enlists them to go find this woman who's about to die. And so what's her name? Night Vale. They, they combine in their brains and they go into the alternate, the, you know, I used to know all this stuff when I was really into paranormal stuff. Um, they go into the astral plane and they, they search for him and they're like, we found him, right? This guy's holding a cat from Florida. There's a whole bunch of cats around. Um, we, we smell smoke in this. So we're getting like a little bit more of a grasp of where this is going to happen. And this is where it gets crazy. So they, they find out where this murder is going to happen. They get there just in time, but almost not fast enough. Because once the knife goes down on the woman um, that's getting sacrificed, she doesn't get killed, but she does get scratched. So some of her blood comes out. And for some things, you don't have to kill somebody to do a blood sacrifice. All you need is to draw blood. Right. So this blood opens a gateway to this demon to come out and it infects one of the girls and they leave and they think, oh, this is all over. And they're like, hey, how about we go to Disney World? It's around here. We'll go to Disney World. It's Halloween. This will be fun. We don't even have to change costumes. We can just go around. Nobody will even pay attention to us. So they're, <laughs> they're at Disney World and this demon comes out and he's just running through, like 
slashing kids. It's um, having fights. It's going through each one of the girls and getting new powers. And they have to fight out through like Disneyland. They have to go through like the haunted mansion. They have to go through like Space Mountain. It's just crazy. Even Freddy Krueger makes an appearance in this book. (laughs) And so, yeah, they finally figure out that there was mirrors in the sacrificial altar. So maybe if we put them into the the fun house, we can get it trapped with the mirrors. And they finally get it trapped in there. And then they're like, you know, it probably wouldn't be good for us to uh, to be known that we just destroyed Disneyland. Uh, don't worry, nobody even paid attention to us. And it's true because they're leaving and nobody paid attention at all. They were just thinking that it was part of the show. So it's it's a crazy book. I don't think I would have paid almost $3 for it in 1990. But I'll pay a quarter for it today. It was it was really good. I mean, it was really funny and and yeah, I mean, it's it's cheese, but it's not overdone. Which right. is funny because when you when you think about some of these characters, you're like, oh man, it's just going to be one of those boobs and butts comics. But it's actually, it's really not. I mean, it's more about the inter dialogue of the characters and how they get along. And you know, some of them don't actually like each other, but they they're they stay around because they have a job to do. Yeah. So it's lasted what three hundred issues. Yeah. Somebody's buying it, you know. Yeah, it's like that. Was that Gold Digger series that? Yeah. Somehow that's unbelievably high. I'm like, who's buying this? Ninja but, High School. Uh, Ninja. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, you don't ever see them on the shelves, but they're still being produced. I don't know. Um, wow. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you found the one that you like. See, you think it's a little weird that I go crazy for some of that off the wall stuff, but. Yeah. Oh no! This this these were really funny. So find some good stuff. Well, I went with because we last week we were kind of talking about what book we wanted to do this week as far as the new book goes, and it was a toss up between Lock and Key and the Battalions Go and Mars Attacks Red Sonia. And so I picked uh-huh. up Mars Attacks Red Sonia. <laughs> um. I was actually blown away by this. The first thing that catches my eye is that it is a crossover between Dynamite and Tops. I did not know Tops still had the rights to Mars Attacks. Yep. Which, how do they still have the rights to Mars Attacks? But Dark Horse can't hold on to anything. <laughs> Mar- uh, they've had Mars Attacks since the 60s, so... Yeah, that... You know, it just blows my mind. I, has they have this been? Well, has it been around that long? Seriously? Yeah. There's a card series. I think in the '60s, maybe the '50s actually. But yeah, the Mars Attacks has been out for a long time. Well, I knew it went back further than the movie. I'd never heard anything about it until the movie because that's just because that's a bunch of stars in the '90s that were in this movie. Okay. Um, and then they start making their way into the comic books and. I've read a few Mars Attacks books and think they're kind of goofy, you know. And this one lived up to it. Uh, John Layman's the writer of this, and Fran Strucken is the artist. And the reason I was interested in this is John Layman's also the guy that writes Chew, C-H-E-W, and Chew, C-H-U, and a few other books that I really like. And I'm like... He's a funny guy. I wonder what he's going to do with this. So, and it starts off, I mean, I'm like, oh, this is going to be like Conan goes to New York City. But it starts off, you know, begin Earth and everybody's looking at their phones and paying attention and all of a sudden, Mars attacks. And they're killing everybody. And then, the next page it says, uh, but that's a story for a different day. Um, and they jump back to the Hybron Age, where Red Sonia's at. And it tells why 
Mars is coming to the planet. Um, their scientist thinks that they can uh, do a peaceful mission and meet these people and become allies with them. And the, the leader of Mars is like, yeah, go ahead and leave because I already know you have ambitions for my spot. Chances are you're going to die. I don't have to worry about you now. So off they go to Mars or off to, they go to earth and red Sonia is riding along and some guy comes running up at her and she's preparing to battle him thinking that uh, she's getting attacked. And he's like, no, you need to leave. There is a uh, org coming for us and he's taking, they're taking out the city. And she's like, what kind of org is scaring everybody? And the King's guardsmen, most of them are dead and their, tr- their wagon breaks down. And all of a sudden, right in this gigantic ant looking like creature is one of the aliens and it kills Red Sonia's horse, which was enough to make Red Sonia irritated. And <clears throat> she ends up going after the Martian and killing him. And the guy, the guard's like, well, if you'll help us take this cart to this location, we'd be happy to pay you. And she's like, yeah, sure, why not? The thing killed my horse, so I'll help you out. Well, they come to find out the last living living, um, person of the king's realm is in the cart. So they're trying to protect her so she can take over the... Uh, royal aspect of it. In the meantime, the scientist is finding out that uh, one of their guards has been destroyed and is sending out all of the Martians to go after Red Sonia. Um, I thought the storytelling was decent. It, I, it, it's a Red Sonia book um, with aliens in it. Wasn't enough to keep me interested in it and get in the next book? Probably not. But it was an interesting premise, um, to say the least. So, there's that. Nice. (laughs) And I read a whole bunch of other stuff that I can't even remember, but none of it stuck with me. That made me really want to go, let's talk about this. Um, (laughs) All right. So you had a better week with the reading than I did, it sounds like. Sounds like it, yeah. I think he was good. Um, So should we do our lists? Yeah, let's do it. All right. right. You want me to go first since you uh, talked about it? Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So number 10, Tio Morrow. Number number 9, Talisman. Number 8, Terra. Number 7, Taskmaster. Number 6, Teen Hulk. Number 5... Thaddeus Horton, number four, Thundra, three, Thunderball, two, Thor, and number one, The Thing. Nice. All right. Ten, Talon, nine, Ted Knight, eight, Thanos, but it's not standard Thanos. It's the Thanos, baby Thanos that was running around in Ghost Rider, uh, Cosmic Ghost Rider. Absolutely hilarious. Need to check it out. Uh, seven Thor, six Tom Taylor, five Ted Cord. I cannot believe you didn't put Ted on there. I uh, put Blue Beetle. Yeah, good point. Four Tim Hunter, three The Tick, two Taskmaster, and number one Tim Drake. I always just like the character of Tim Drake. Yes, he was a very good detective as Robin, but I that's kind of the Robin that I was reading. And I remember mm-hmm. the issues where he is having a difficult relationship with his dad and um, his dad becomes overprotective and always kind of want to know where he's at. And then the whole identity crisis storyline. And I could always relate to some of the troubles Tim went through as yeah. far as um, just they captured a teenage kid having just all these different problems while still trying to manage to be a superhero, which obviously that was not me, but just, you know, <laughs> dealing with all the standard teenage problems. And it was kind of nice to see it where it wasn't like, 
oh, look, it's Superman. He's got everything. No issues whatsoever. You know, that right. type of deal. So. Cool. cool. Two awesome. completely different lists. Yeah, totally. <laughs> uh, do you got any news this week, Nick? Yeah, you might actually like this. Um, after issue 12 of season two of Green Lantern, that is going to be it for Grant Morrison for DC Comics. He says he's re- he's uh, going to leave DC and do his own thing and work on stuff that he wants to do. I kind of figured he is probably leaning in that direction a little bit, especially with all the changes at DC. Mm-hmm. But I know he hasn't gotten a ton of love for his work on uh, Green Lantern. He's, he's a little bit too far out there. Um, I mean, I'm a diehard Green Lantern fan, and I had a hard time keeping up with uh, some of the references he was making to stuff that took place in the, you know, 70s and the 80s that was just unbelievably obscure, and he doesn't give you a clue that he's doing it either. Right. Um, (laughs) So that doesn't surprise me too much. But, yeah, I mean, hopefully that doesn't mean the end of Green Lantern being written. Again, with those changes at DC, you never know which way's up on it. But, uh, yeah, I would like to see somebody else take over the reins for a little bit now. I think it'd, it'd be nice to see that. Yeah. But other than that, I mean, there's not much news um, so that I can find. So Chadwick, uh, is it Bosman? Uh-huh. Yeah, he passed away. Yeah. Um, I saw somebody actually post about it. I'm like, what in the heck? And I looked up, I'm like, no way. Um, yeah, what was he, 43 or 44? Something like that. Like, yeah, that, yeah, that's really too bad. I actually didn't realize he was even that old. I thought he was younger than that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, he brought, brought that character of Black Panther to life. and um, Black Panther's not one of my favorite characters, but I thought he did a really good job. Um, he was probably one of the better actors and fit the part really well for that. Uh, so that's really just too bad that, uh, you know, he passed away, especially with, uh, due to cancer. Uh, I mean, you see all these pictures where he's, uh, at St. Jude's and stuff and doing stuff for kids that were fighting cancer and you had no idea he had it. Yep. He didn't tell uh, anybody he had it. So no, he's a, he true class act. Um, I mean, he would, he wanted to keep it private and more power to him for doing that. But, uh, you know, he could have absolutely come out and said, Hey, I've got this. And but no, he wanted to keep it to himself. And, uh, so he's truly one of the good ones. So that's really too bad. Yep. Uh, well, and we were talking a little bit about, you touched about it a little bit. Um, the Midwest Comic Convention came through Omaha yesterday, and they usually come through on a quarterly basis four times a year. And so this was kind of a more of a surprise show. They are supposed to come in in June, uh, but with COVID, they pushed that back, and um, they popped in yesterday. And I know Nick and I both picked up a number of things, 50 bucks for 20 bucks. You can't pass that up. Um, and to give you an idea, there is a guy that he, he just creates this big section in the center of the room that kind of forms a square, just full of long boxes and no order to them. You just kind of go through, grab whatever you want and put it all together and call it good. And uh, I know you found a whole bunch of stuff. Um, I always find stuff, but I found, I think yesterday was one of my more solid days on books that I was looking for. Like, um, picked up some Nexus books that I was missing. I picked up uh, some Strike Force Mortuary books. Picked up, what was the other one? A lot of the DP7 books. Um, I think I almost got 
pretty close to almost the full run from him. Um, really? Yeah. There's wow. some earlier issues that I'm missing, but I mean, for the most part, like that back half, pick those up. Um, my son, who not a huge comic book fan anymore, he kind of got away from it. He's more into the video game stuff. Okay, whatever. So I always take him along, help dig think for things for me. I mean, Nick's always looking out for me too, and but uh, so I have to send him to the other side and have him start digging. He comes over and he found all these. Robin Joker's Wild books. You remember that Robin Two Joker's uh-huh. Wild, and it has five different variant covers for each book because the hologram on each one's different. And he's like, "I really want to get these." I'm like, "You realize you've got like three number ones here or five number ones, right?" And he goes, "Yeah." And I go, "They're the same book." He's like, "Yeah, but they're variant covers. They're not the same." <laughs> I'm like, "Oh no!" So uh, he ended up getting quite a few of them. He's missing still a total of nine of the other covers total, but uh, those shouldn't be too hard to find, but I, I couldn't help but laugh at um, him doing that. But um, yeah, I, I think it was a pretty solid run yesterday with uh, everything. I got my last issue of the further adventures of Indiana Jones um, from the show and they had some good stuff there. Um and he's the guy that kind of tours the Midwest area. I know he does Kansas City, he does Des Moines, he does the Quad City. He does uh, a couple places in Illinois. I think he even does Wisconsin, maybe? And Minneapolis you, or Minnesota. Minneapolis. He does. He's up in there, too. Yeah. Yep. So if you look up Midwest Comic Convention, I think is what it's called, on Facebook, you'll kind of see where he's going to. Um, there's other dealers besides this guy. Um and depending on the area that they're going to, the dealers are going to change a little bit. Um, but uh, you can usually find some really good deals there. It's totally free to get in. No, uh, as he likes to put it, there's nobody cause you can cosplay if you want, but there's not having any big stars coming in for these conventions and uh, hiring people to do all this stuff. It, it's just a quick little show. I think it runs usually from 10 to four on Saturdays and Sundays. And he just kind of rotates around from town to town and uh, absolutely worth checking into. Uh, you can get a lot, a lot of get great a, books, a lot of weird stuff too. A lot <laughs> of weird stuff. If you're into weird comics. This is the place to go. Cause we found a lot of weird stuff. Yeah. It's, it is insane. Um, you know, I always talk about a lot of the weird books that I get and one of my goals with this when we do the show is every once in a while try to read something that is just going to make you guys go, what in the world? Why would you ever think about picking this up? Yeah. And I've done it a couple of times, but um, Richie rich meets the new kids on the block. I think that was the best one I got you guys with. <laughs> that, I don't know if you can top that. I'm sorry. I don't think you can. Oh. Uh, unless you can find an old MC Hammer cartoon <laughs> comic where he meets, I don't know. I, 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 I don't know. Yeah. I'm always looking though. It's kind of off the wall stuff that I'm always trying to find. So, um, but that's a great place to do it. Um, you know, I think I like it a lot just because the comic shops we have around here, we have a lot of great comic shops, but the back issues are more modern or they're main streamlined titles. They're not some of these smaller titles that, uh, you think about any longer. And uh, he's got those. So it's kind of neat to find, stumble across that stuff. And I'm always one of, I, I like doing the hunting of things. You know, that's why I find, pick out some of these books to try to collect because it's the hunting for them that makes it a lot more fun. So, well, it's also like you don't know what you're going to find in there because I found almost the entire run of Darkhawk, which was yeah. pretty and I wasn't expecting to look for that. I was looking for Warlord, and that was all I was going to look for. And the second box in, there was 
two through 30 of Darkhawk all in a row. Mm -hmm. And I just was like, ah, oh, man. All right. So, and of course, Finding Warlord was at the last box that I was going to pass up. But, um, yeah, you just don't know what you're going to find. And I would rec I would really go, go. I mean, it's free. I mean, it's, yeah, there's the whole COVID thing. And yeah, it was way overpopulated in there. I mean, there was no social distancing, nothing. No. People were right Masks next to you. Masks were a requirement, but yeah. And, but yeah, like, like I, I was telling Ryan that I got there 50 minutes early. I had the whole room to myself pretty much. And the first guy that came in there after me got to the box right next to me. There's 50 long boxes. He sat right next to me like he wanted to get through the boxes before I did. It was like, oh, my God, I'm not going to take what you want, dude. Just, just walk over there. Like five boxes, just keep going. I mean, you don't know what's in these anyway, so just go. And then yeah, as soon as... extremely lucky on that Darkhawk, having all those all in one box. It was like all too. in a... Yeah, it was like, whop. All right, give me those. <laughs> But yeah. awesome. So, yeah, um, we still haven't figured out what we're going to call the Books of Magic review show that we're planning on doing. And we're still in discussion on how we want to do it. Like, do we want to just do straight up review of each issue? Do we want to go in depth with the characters that are in the book? Do we want to talk about the writers and creators of the book? Should we even try to contact Peter Gross to see if we can get him on here? I mean, I've met Peter Gross like a ton of times. He's a really nice guy, but I don't know how that interview would go. I mean, he's great, but I don't really like interviews. Do you like interviews? Um. We only have like four listeners. I mean, we can't really afford to get, you know, celebrity writers on here. <laughs> but we appreciate all four listeners. Um, no, I think, you know, that's something that um, we'd love some feedback on. You know, I, I've kind of played with the idea of it in my head of, um, you know, even on this show, we get there's the Omug comic guys. I was thinking about maybe seeing if, you know, when they do this Lenny Vernon thing, seeing if we can get them on for a quick five minute interview or something like that. Um, if that was something that we thought would be a hit, you know, mm -hmm. um, I can't even imagine an interview. I thought you did a great job with the pinball guy interview. That was a fantastic interview. I get starstruck talking to some of these guys, though. And Peter Gross, I love his artwork, and I, I love what he did with uh, Unwritten and with Books of Magic. And I hope I wouldn't get starstruck, you know. And I'd love to be able to talk to him about that kind of stuff. But, I mean, is that something people would want to hear? Is right. us talking to these guys or talking to somebody like that, if we could even get them and see if it's something, you know, um, that he'd be wanting to talk about. Some of these guys, you know, I'm done with that. I don't want to talk about it anymore, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so, but yeah, we would be making, willing to make an effort to try to get some somebody like him or, you know, um, if you have a suggestion for the name of the name of the podcast, um, what would you like to see from the Books of Magic? I know it's just a series that you and I are both uh, hold pretty dear to our hearts and we really want to do right by it. And what do you want to hear about it? What do you want to know? You know, that kind of a thing. Talk to us, let us know. And we'll, we can look at that as options. Mm -hmm. So, and if anybody that's listening wants to join in and send us, uh, even come on here live and when we're talking about it or actually, right now we were doing this off live, but if you guys want to come on here and give us like, you know, like reviews of your favorite books, we're open to that. If you guys just want to hop on and talk about comics, we're open to that. 
I mean, we're nice. We're not going to bite, you know. We just like talking about comics. And we're inviting everybody who listens to, if you are on Podbean, to come in and talk with us. I think that would be the best. I mean, just having a whole community of comic book goobers talking about comics. And it doesn't have to be a formulaic episodes like we've been doing for like the last 75 episodes. You know? Is it 75 already? This is episode 73. Oh. So, <laughs> yeah. So, if you next week, if you guys want to come in, go to Podbean, look up It's Too Wordy. We do it on Mondays at 7 p.m. Standard or Central Standard Time. Mm-hmm. And yeah, come in, log in, and we can talk about comics. Absolutely. Let's change this. Let's change this up. Let's, let's uh, do our reviews in the beginning and then let's open it up for listeners to talk about comics with us. Yeah. No, cool. That sounds like a perfect plan. Awesome. Let's get it going. All right. So, um, <laughs> you can always record raw. It's not that <laughs> <laughs> you you can't record raw. Raw is live, and it's yeah. I mean, I want to watch TV, but you know, working at home all the time, I just kind of like don't want to be at home. No, give me a oh. distraction. Uh, I was going to tell you or talk to you about that. I I started Warrior Nun. Is that right? Yeah, Warrior Nuns? Yeah, Warrior Nuns? Yeah. Second episode in, it is not what I am expect was expecting at all. You're not thinking um, 90s giant bad girl boobs running around? That's kind of what I was picturing was going to happen, and this was not, <laughs> not what was happening at all. Yeah. Um, it, you know, no, I haven't read a lot of Warrior Nun books, so I don't know how most of them start off or anything, but um, you know, second episode in, I'm kind of hooked. I can't wait to kind of see where it goes. And then uh, I just actually finished up uh, the Shannara Chronicles. I is a book series that Terry Brooks wrote. Terry Brooks, yeah, uh, probably my all-time favorite fantasy book series. Um, next to Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxies, sci-fi-ish stuff. Anyhow, but. Um, I just watched the two seasons of that. Unfortunately, it looks like it's canceled, not coming back anytime soon. But that was fantastic. Um, so definitely worth checking both of those things out. Both of them are on Netflix. So definitely watch those. Um, but yeah, no, I, I knew I was going to mention that Warrior Nun. But uh, have you seen any of it yet? No, I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, I'm two episodes in. Um, I'm like, wow, this is really pretty. Good. I was expecting a lot more blowing up and cheesy 80s blood sport type, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But no, this is actually pretty solid. A couple episodes in, so definitely check that out. Cool. So see, we talk, started talking about Raw for a second, and that just made me realize what else I've been watching. Okay. All right. Well, as always, if you like what you're hearing, please leave a note out there and tell us or uh, like our like our show on whatever you are listening through. Um, Nick does a another podcast, the uh, Roll Die for Adventure. Correct. Correct. And it's everything. <laughs> it's all over the place, yeah. It is all over the place. I have turned over the DMing reins to Shannon for a little while. And so she's doing Dungeons & Dragons uh, Horde of the Dragon Queen right now. We're on episode two. And we're in the middle of also recording Ghostbusters season three. And another game called Kill Sector which is a trip. It, if you like wrestling interdimensional monsters, uh, giant fights in rings, uh, yeah, that's what it's about. So 
yeah, check them out. It's they're they're good fun, and everybody could use some fun right now. So, oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, they're always a hoot to laugh, let, listen to. So definitely check them out. All right. Well, I think that'll wrap up the show for tonight. So thanks for listening, and until next week. Uh, and again, feel free to join us. Um, we'll talk to you then. Bye. See you guys.